The Internet of Things is not a technology, but rather a design language. That's according to Sanjay Sarma, co-founder of the Auto ID Center at MIT, where the term the Internet of Things originated. He is currently the Dean of Digital Learning at MIT, and so it should not be at all surprising that Sanjay has a deep regard for how the Internet of Things is fundamentally changing how humans interact with, and ultimately learn to live in, the world. I'm Randy Kronk of GreatWriting.com. We create content for technology companies. We're also a sponsor of the MIT Enterprise Forum of Cambridge, the first and largest chapter within the global MIT Enterprise Forum, whose mission is to showcase game-changing technologies as we inform, connect, and coach technology entrepreneurs. Sanji is a keynote speaker at this year's Connected Things Conference taking place at the MIT Media Lab on April 5th. I caught up with Sanjay this week and asked him if he wouldn't mind giving us a sort of state of the Internet of Things snapshot in advance of the conference. I started by asking him what were some of the major developments in IoT since last year's Connected Things Conference. Well, I see many things happen. First of all, I see the development of several different walled gardens, ecosystems, you know, uh, that's worthy of attention. The good news is within each walled garden, uh, the architectures are pretty good. Um, the second thing I'm seeing is some rollout, but I'm seeing rollouts without a very clear architecture, and I worry about security. That's, that's you know, unfortunately, uh, I think we're going to have a couple of issues there. Um, a third thing I'm seeing is um, a lot of attention um, to this whole topic, both from the government, um, from private industry, etc. And I suppose that's a tide that's going to lift all boats. But what I'm not seeing, you're not seeing some very specific business cases and uh, value calculators and things like that. That needs to receive more attention. I'm not seeing a lot of vision about where this is going to go. It's like something you slap onto an existing system. That's how people are looking at it. Speaking of business cases, where do you see the most exciting application areas emerging now or in the near future? I think the business cases for IoT, IoT are very strong, actually. But uh, to really uh, understand them, one has to introspect about uh, day-to-day workflows and everything. Um, for example, uh, appliances, uh, dishwashers breaking down. Uh, before the breakdown, if you can do some preventative self-maintenance and save yourself time and save you know, the vendor, the Samsung time, um, that's a huge saving. Um, security and safety. I think we do a lot of things in a very inefficient way. There's a huge opportunity to reduce costs there. A um, lot of business cases around security, really, and uh, you know, safety and monitoring and things like that. Um, but I don't think that story is being told properly. You know, so I think it's very ad hoc and it's very little islands. As the Internet of Things has evolved, what has surprised you the most? Let's say in terms of the technology, rate of adoption, overall impact, or whatever. First of all, I don't see Internet of Things as a technology. Uh, it's not even a bundle of technologies. It's not a platform. I see it as a design vocabulary. Now, if you have a design vocabulary, you have to sort of rethink the world with, this, with these new words that you have. Now, that's not happening. <laughs> what, what I'm hearing is a lot of sort of recasting what we already do today uh, in these using sort of, you know, in sort of an offhand way these new terms. Um, I mean, if you think about it, my, my cell phones really changed my life completely. You know, the way I find go to appointments, the way I get directions, everything's changed. 
I'm doing things that I wouldn't have thought of. I'd never framed up for thinking of it 20 years ago, 10 years ago, 5 years ago. IoT enables that. And I'm just not seeing the uh, the adoption of this new design vocabulary and thinking in this new design language. Has that surprised you or, or what has surprised you? It's a sort of a negative surprise. What has surprised me is um, I would say I'm, uh, the, I guess this is more a statement about myself, I'm surprised about where it's taking off, you know, uh, I'm really surprised, very pleasantly surprised to see how much it's taking off in the consumer space. Amazon Echo is a big surprise. You know, the uh, I have a Schlage lock at home. You know, it's uh, the fact that you know, it's it's. I thought it would take off in the industrial sector. In the industrial sector, the implementations have not shown the same vision. If you were an entrepreneur or a VC looking for an opportunity, where do you see the most promising opportunities in terms of market adoption or return on investment? I think the most promising opportunity is actually in industrial sectors, sustainability, factories. You know, how many machines are left on when they don't need to be on, you know, uh, safety. You know, could we have avoided the BP Macondo disaster if we had this? But it's not the most immediate. And so that's really the conundrum. And the biggest opportunities are the ones that are going to be hardest to break through, unfortunately. How do you think the Internet of Things will impact the Internet? I actually don't think it'll impact the internet that much. I think that we'll run out of addresses, so IPv6 is going to become important at some point. I'm a big fan of the web of things or the cloud of things approach, which is that everything in the real world has an avatar in the sky. But at the same time, I do believe that you'll need edge computing. And what the edge computing will do is actually do most of the, you know, sort of immediate reactive things locally. And you won't end up with that much data. You will have data on the cloud, but it doesn't have to be massive You've talked about silos. It strikes me that the Internet of Things is a very interdisciplinary kind of field. How do you think that either has accelerated or has slowed IoT development and adoption? I think it's sort of interesting. It's interdisciplinary, but the the the, the disciplines come together mostly right at the edge, and then it's all computation. You know, so if I'm building a uh, an oxygen sensor or a you know or a, a noise sensor or something, that's very disciplinary. It goes into the sensor side. But after that, it's all data. So the data bit, it's more about edge computing, cloud computing, big data. It's all sort of very CSE stuff. Uh, I actually think that, strangely enough, the progress on the sensor side has been tremendous. Um, it's the architecture that has not progressed as much as it ought to. You've obviously had a front row seat from which to observe how the Internet of Things story has developed. What lessons have you learned about how technologies and their impact in the market have evolved that you could share with innovators in other technologies or other fields? I think the most important thing for a technology to take off is to have a very clean design metaphor. What I mean by that is digital electronics took off because of the concept of gates and, you know, flip-flops and, you know, zero-one binary, right? Before that, we had analog. It just didn't take off. We did, but the design metaphor is difficult. The World Wide Web took off on the Internet when Tim Berners-Lee came along and said it's a page with a hyperlink, right? It's a very simple design metaphor. The uh, you know electric grid took off, and we said AC, not DC, and then step up, step down transformers, long distance transmission. Right? IoT is missing that very clean design uh, vision, the design metaphor, uh, from an architectural perspective. And I, my view is that that design metaphor is uh, more generally the web of things, but more specifically cloud things. The idea is everything in the real world has an avatar on the cloud, and it's the avatars that talk to each other. And you need edge computing only to the extent that you need real time. It's interesting that you had mentioned smartphones before and the impact that they've had on your life. When I spoke with David Rose for a podcast last year, who is, by the way, one of the other keynote speakers at this year's Connected Things Conference, 
One point he made was that the Internet of Things will de-emphasize the role of the smartphone, that as computing becomes ever more embedded in the objects all around us, we'll have less and less need to pick up our smartphones. What's your view, and would that be a good thing? I think David is right. Um, To me, the smartphone today is just a screen and a connection, that's it. Um, it does come. So, for example, my Schlage lock, it talks to my phone. But that really shouldn't happen. It should really go to the cloud. And my s- smartphone simply is a window to the cloud. But, you know, our interaction is becoming much more ambient. I have an Apple Watch, you know. We add bounces off the smartphone, but actually my, all my notifications come on my watch. Maybe we'll do gestures soon. Maybe the Amazon Echo, you know, will sort of dominate. I actually think that um, the UI into the Internet of Things, our user interface, is going to evolve very dramatically. I mean, very, very dramatically. And the smartphone's a great uh, place to start, but it's not going to be it. And I actually agree with David on this. So where does the smartphone belong in the Internet of Things? Is it one of the things? No, it's a display. To me, the smartphone, the smartphone in fact, I think it's confusing to think of the smartphone the smartphone is an input to the Internet of Things in the sense that the consumer inputs stuff on a keyboard potentially, and it's a sensor pack. But we should unpack it and see it more as a display. But displays are going to be much more ambient, much more everywhere. You know, your light may flicker when your phone, when, when, uh, when the bell rings if you don't you know, hear it. So the smartphone is just a, happens to be a place where we consolidate all our displays right now, but that's not going to last. One of the key themes in the Internet story has been the distribution of intelligence. What once belonged on the desktop or on the server now belongs, some would advocate, in the cloud. Do you think sensors should be intelligent? Where do you see the division of labor occurring between the thing and the cloud? That's a great question. I think that it will be distributed a little bit in the following sense. I think you'll have a thin layer of edge computing, but you will have the cerebral stuff happen in the cloud. Um, if you look at the human body, uh, the spine has a thin layer of edge computing, right? So your reflexes go through the spine. But you don't uh, ponder Fermat's uh, third theorem, you know, in your spine, right? So, um, the last theorem. Um, so I do believe that there'll be edge computing, which will implement sort of reflexive rules and actually uh, serve as a shield to get rid of a lot of data, because a lot of data is actually useless, right? But actually the cerebral stuff will happen in the cloud. I'm interested in your role as an educator, especially since you are the Dean of Digital Learning here at MIT. How does that role correlate with your role as an evangelist for IoT? It's very interesting. I think that um, the reason that I'm sort of, I like my job, uh, one of the reasons, I like it for many reasons, is that we, are, we live in an extremely fast-paced world of innovation. And I think it's a matter of time before every employee in every company spends two to three hours a week just staying current. You aren't going to do that in classrooms. You're going to do that digitally. And so my role, frankly, ties into the pace of innovation. Now, you're leading right into my next question. How do you see education affecting the widespread success of an innovation, say, like the Internet of Things? Education is going to be essential for this. And actually, I mean, you can look at it from the, the individual's perspective. Gone are the days when you graduated from school and, you know, you were set for life, you know. Today we're on a hamster. We're hamsters on a wheel. The wheel's spinning, you know, sort of backwards. Um, you know, imagine climbing an escalator you know, without going down. We're all going to be running very soon just to stand still, just because things are changing so fast. Um, it used to be that you had, you know, a hundred innovators who sort of dictated our lives, you know, the folks from HP and Sony and a few. Now it's literally tens of thousands. And so the surface area and the intersection points have explosively multiplied. 
And so uh, education is it. That's how we continue to stay abreast of an extraordinary surge um, in technology. And IoT is impacting the learning process itself. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, you know, um, IoT uh, touches the human being, right? And learning is human being and the human brain absorbing information and knowledge. Um, and so IoT impacts learning in many respects. Um, at the most mundane level, um, you know, learning is not just uh, academic learning. It can be welding. It can be, you know, playing golf. It can be tending a farm, right? I mean, the impact of IoT in experiential learning is tremendous. So, for example, you know, you can guide a person. You can say, do this, do that. Well, you didn't, you know, you didn't, uh, your weld was not thick enough. Your weld was too thick. So that's on one side. On the flip side, I actually think that uh, neuroengineering is going to be a very hot topic. You know, we're going to have wristwatches that can measure our galvanic skin reflex. You can already do that, actually, our heartbeat. You know, maybe you wear a band that measures your alpha and, you know, theta waves. So sort of the ultimate feedback loop. Yeah, it's the ultimate feedback loop. I think that's all going to happen. Of course, it's all sort of futuristic and it's a few years away, but, you know, we shouldn't uh, scoff at it. As you attend the Connected Things 2016 conference yourself this year, what kind of things will you be looking for, or do you think will catch your interest? I'm going to be looking for, I want to see this new language play out, okay? I mean, it's already happening, actually. Um, people say things differently if you sort of grow up thinking connectivity. I mean, you know, if, if I said to one of, my, one of our students here at MIT, hey, I want to connect my chair to the Internet, they wouldn't actually laugh at me. Immediately, you can see, you can see the sort of the wheels turning, and they're trying to figure out, huh, well, interesting, right? And vice versa, if they do something, they're trying to figure out how to connect things up. If I say that to someone who's over 40 years old, it's, it's a joke, right? So it's a whole new design language. And what I'm, here, what I'm looking for is I want to hear those little memes. I want to hear those thoughts, and I want to collect them. Any other events on the horizon that we should be watching closely? It's actually almost impossible to track them. There's an event every day, whether it's an IoT conference in Korea or a uh, an Apple event in, in San Francisco or a Huawei product announcement next week, you know. It's it's a torrent. And what we need to do is it's like fishing. You need to sort of have your antenna up, pick up these memes as they go by, and we all need to speak this new language. Thanks, Sanjay. I think we'll have to stop there. Thanks very much for speaking with us today, and we look forward to seeing you at the Connected Things 2016 conference. It's a really great pleasure and an honor. Good to see you again, and I look forward to the conference as well. 